The year is 1986. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Variant cover. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of Comic Book Herald. You are listening to a variant cover edition for 1986. We are reading all of through the Marvel Comics uh, universe from its origins to today. We are on the chronological publication year of 1986. I am joined today by someone who many people are saying uh, I might kind of agree with him, given certain contexts, when the light is right, and uh, if I'm wearing my favorite pants... It's Zach Dean. How's it going? Hey, we got good. a lot of feedback on our our mutant massacre pod, Zach. You know what? I don't know that it was split down the middle necessarily, no. but you know there you are know people. What? You know what? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. I, I introduced you. You go ahead. A little, a little less on my side than I predicted. I, I honestly, because you know, like I, I feel like I've my my opinions have been like I, I've had some people in my corner about like Thor Simonson, like a lot more than I kind of thought I would. Um, and a couple other like you know so-called hot takes and i kind of thought with this one i'd have more people but nope like people are pretty on board with it like at worst they are mixed like mixed to positive is like about the worst i've seen no no one is fully in my corner on this. a fair amount of mixed which i mean i'm not that far off from that myself I, i think that's the thing that got a little lost in the shuffle is when you have these big celebrity spats which obviously mm-hmm. is what we had in mute <laughs> massacre you know they tend to get yeah. the headlines the screaming headlines tend to yeah. read you lo- you hate it i love it kind of stuff and like most of our argument from what i remember was not really debating the merits of the quality of the x-men mute massacre like you were like oh it's kind of messy and not great and i was like oh, it's better than that <laughs> but like most of the argument was like you saying stuff like Walt Simonson is bad. <laughs> Chris Claremont has no new ideas. It was the it was the way you went about it. Especially especially too when it's like, all right, if you're gonna come in with a take that roaring hot and and listen, I commend you. I commend you on the fieriness of that take. Cause you know, I'm over here like, yeah, dogs are overrated, but I sneak that in. I sneak that <laughs> into variant covers. You know, you're you're coming in bold with the hot takes. I appreciate that. Um but but what was I going to say with that? Oh, you saying things like Simonson's bad and then like re- referencing a cover he didn't even draw. Yeah. You know? I, Stuff like that. That, that that's what, <laughs> I did that not back that up. up well, no, I, I looked again today actually at the covers he did draw at X Factor and I'm like totally right. His covers on X Factor are bumpkiss. Although, I don't let, know let, that let he's me just a fan, say. Amazing cover artist. I'll, no, I'll no, he's not. I, I, I'm I don't sure think anyone. That. No, I think you're right. Um, And. You know what? Like, I remember how much I liked the beginning of that Thor run. The beginning of that Thor run excites me. You know, like, I, I think, I mean, I actually think the first, like, arc is my favorite, and it goes downhill it from Beta there Beta Ray me, builds but, like, my spirits. Yeah, I love, I love Ray Beta does. Ray. does. I really like Beta Ray Bill. Um, and I like, you know what? Like, he's not a bad artist. I think I don't like his, like, visual... <laughs> yeah, thanks. I like his storytelling. Or, no, I don't like his storytelling. I like his artistry and his, like, style. I just don't like his visual storytelling very much. And I think... 
I feel really confident saying that about the X Factor issues way more than I do Thor. To be fair, it's easier like, to say about X Factor than it is about Thor. I mean, yeah, I'll give you that for, for sure. Series, like, for sure. I, I I skim through them again, and also something. Uh, I was listening to a podcast, a different podcast cover, Mutant Massacre, a little podcast called Chris's on Infinite Earths. We'll get to that in a second. But um, yeah, oh, so good. Two two hosts, both named Chris. I think it's Chris and Christina or Christine. Some, yeah, um, I believe yeah. that's right. And they covered the Mutant Massacre. They split into two episodes. Episode one, just the X-Men issues. Episode two, X-Factor and all the, the spinoffs. Sure. And listening to it, I was like, you know what? No, they're right. Like, those X-Men issues are not that bad. It's really the X-Factor that, like... Yeah, you caught me by surprise on me. that one because I, I tried to I tried to give you an out there. I tried to give you that. I mean, out. I, I, I did I was say like, that. Hey, the X Men's uh, pretty good, right? And you're like, oh, Claremont. No, sucks. no, I said in the episode. <laughs> I was like, Wait, that, what? No, I said in the episode that if we had just read the X Men, this would have been like a pretty standard Claremont. Like I don't know about series that. of I don't know. I, I know I, I specifically said that. History on that one. No, no, no. I'll pull I'll put the clip in right here. Please do. Um, Please do. Yeah. So I think if we had just read the X Men issues of Mutant Massacre, it would be a pretty good. Pretty good series. Pretty good event. Shut up. I don't want to hear it from you. Wow. So much for the marketplace of free ideas. Anyway, so I, I did... Uh, listening to their episode, I think, uh, you know, that, that helped me, like, find some, some bright spots about well, it. Well, we'll just um, we'll just have one of them on as a guest, maybe, their episode. sometime, and yeah. uh, they, can, they can teach you about another, yeah, another let me just event. Let me just call Chris right now. Oh, my God. He, Chris, they just responded. Uh, Chris says he'll be on oh. our Squadron Supreme episode. That, that wow. Okay. Cool. Fast. Yeah, that's wow. the quickest. Usually, okay, it's so I guess we can announce guests, now say, that because you know, uh, I'm like, hey, do you want to join us and yeah. yell about uh, old Marvel comics? And they're like, uh, who are you? And usually, that's where it dies. But uh, but yeah, we've got some <laughs> good guests coming up. So I guess two weeks from today, yeah, Squadron Supreme. Uh, we'll have is Chris that the next episode we're Earth. dropping? And check out their podcast. No, so two from now. No, next two, up two is Electro Assassin and a little bit of Cap for you. Ooh, let me let me just mention to people because I think Electro Assassin's oh, yeah. a weird one where you have to go pay for it if you want to read yeah, but it. Yeah, you have to deal with actually, Marvel like, Unlimited. convincing people or not people to spend real money aside from your unlimited subscription. I'm gonna say, having just read it, it is probably the most. If this is your thing, it's gonna be so totally your thing, and if it's not, it's gonna be so yeah, totally right. not your thing. It is, I think, so divisive on just like, are you okay. digging this? or not not like on its quality and i'll say read like on comiXology don't just buy the whole collection buy oh. one issue at a time because <laughs> if you don't like the first two yeah i mean issues, a sample platter is not, not a like bad idea Here, i really let, think let's like, lay down some some rules yeah for whether or not you yeah. should purchase this thing so rule number one you love the art of bill sinkevich because if you do not do not buy this mm-hmm. rule number two you love frank oh, miller's God. work across daredevil including daredevil love and war which we read very recently. I don't even think that's a prerequisite. If this you don't, all, so if you don't love that, you think there that. are people like, who are like, I don't dig yes. Miller's Daredevil, but I love Electro oh, Assassin. Yes, no, I, hear I think you saying. at least you at least have to dig yeah, yeah, that no, work. I, yeah, yeah, especially yes. Love and War. If you read Love and War and you're just like, I don't know what happened there. I don't care yes. about any of that. It was too weird. Electra is hundred times weirder. Times don't weirder. bother. You will not need <laughs> like, to. And also, like. I mean, I guess yeah. technically there's little Marvel Universe continuity stuff that, that has resurfaced over time. But generally speaking, it's just, but it's how? its own thing. I don't it even know how. It is its own thing. <laughs> the, the only how totally. of it is totally. like creators dug it when they were younger and they want to bring it back, right? That yeah, sort of thing. Sure. Um, but yes, if, you, if you're like, ooh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to miss anything in the My Marvel this year read, um, this one's not, not nope. unlimited because it, 
it's technically well it's too mature for starters um but also it was like whatever we'll talk about it it's not in there so you got to buy it if you want to read it um and that's up to you so if you if you make match that criteria you love those two creators uh and or and or you just mm-hmm. like really want to know uh marvel comics history but also like late 80s superhero history i think it's i think it's kind of a necessity um yeah. if you don't mm-hmm. stay away Oh, I'm sh- so influential, I'm sure. Like, there's got to be so many... There- there's so much stuff in here where I was like, oh, I- did I see this in Sandman? Like, is he pulling from Sand... Like, Interesting. Sandman use this? Yeah. Like, different stuff. Yeah. I mean, li- little visual things. But anyway. Oh, let's, uh, let's not get too in the weeds about, okay. about this. Yep. So we-, we got some... We got... Oh, I'll-, I'll be curious if you do. Um, We got some emails here all about Mutant Massacre. Oh, no. Mutant Massacre and My Ultimate Year. So I'm going to start here with Ben. Is that right? Let's do Ben, Uh, yep. Is that who I'm reading first? Okay. Hey, Dave and Zach. Now, my reaction to the My Marvelous Year Mutant Massacre Meltdown of 2020. My thoughts are right down the middle. I appreciate some of the points both of you made in the episode, but I have a hard time classifying Mutant Massacre as good good or bad in my mind. I'll share some things that worked for me. Pick a side, my dude. (laughs) Yep. I'll share some things that worked for me in the event and some that didn't. One thing that worked for me was the event pulled together a lot of threads from the whole history of X-Men. The ideas behind the event are really big, and if you're all in on Claremont or the X-Men mythology, this event feels weighty and like it will set up stories for years to come. Another thing that worked was the way the event told the same story or pieces of the story from several different perspectives across the different titles. This isn't the first time we've seen this in Marvel Comics as of 1986, but it feels like the most ambitious attempt, and for the most part, the writers pull it off. On the other hand, I think the execution of the story and art art themselves fall flat more than it worked. I'd say the, quote, big moments of the event, Angel's crucifixion, the injuries to Kurt and Kitty, mostly landed the way they were intended to land, but the overall messiness of the narrative and poorly defined stakes made these comics more difficult to get through than they needed to be. Honestly, I think one of the biggest setbacks is all of the massacring happens off-panel to characters It's weird how many people have said that. Which means the event... Let's address that when you're done here, because the amount of people that are like, I needed that off-panel is is interesting. Which means the the event boils down to the ex-heroes facing off a forgettable new supervillain team. These smackdowns are entertaining off and on, but we never get a clear sense of why this is happening in the first place. On that note, my last comment would be these comics probably work a lot better for people who are all in on the Claremont era of X-Men, oh, or sure. on the X-Men as a whole, than it does if you're just dipping in to see what happens here. I've been reading most of the X-Titles from this title, X-Titles from this era, but 11 years into Claremont, I'm getting a little burnt out of the density and wordiness of his writing. I'm still interested in tracking along with the X-Corner of the Marvel Universe moving forward, but I'll probably have to scale back on my reading selection and read the x comics in shorter bursts great job as always love hearing the host and communities takes on these comics ben aka yeah, thanks ben for writing in and for your support thanks, on ben. patreon um so i want to address should the oh. violence have happened on panel and also this just the last point you made like a hundred percent and i feel like we probably talked about this but maybe not in depth if you're not along for the claremont ride like the whole shebang um, yeah, Mutant mm-hmm. Massacre's not going to have the same kind of impact. I mean, I think this was part of our disconnect, certainly, is you are not doing that currently. You are not reading all these issues. So so you kind of mentioned, like, well, there's all these things it's referencing no. that I don't necessarily have context for, and that being sort of a barrier and limiting, I think, the weight of any impact it might have had. Yeah, a, a little... Uh, well, no, see, like, I know who the Morlocks are. I've read the Morlock issues. I, I've read more the first time through the Claremont run that I'm doing this time, but... um. Like, I know who the Morlocks are. I think a lot of people's problem are, like, even if you know who the Morlocks are and have a connection to them, most of the Morlocks get, that get killed are still, like, anonymous randos in the background. Right? There, I, I disagree that it needs to be more on-panel. There's plenty of on-panel shooting of people I here don't think that would be a great up. thing but I think, to have like, in this X-Men comic. Like, somehow that would make the violence stand out more, I guess, to me. I think your point is more... 
I think he was just saying cutting be, to it. It would feel like there's more stakes yeah. if yeah. Your, your point is like well, we don't. We just don't have an emotional attachment beyond empathy towards this the system yeah, and structure sure. that these characters are obviously suffering from which you know for some people is yeah. plenty but I, I mean i in, like we just we don't you know even even if you have read every issue I mean, we have like what like five like morlock centric issues up to this point you know what i mean like it's not a ton mm-hmm. yeah i i think he actually does a great job claremont in the first issue of the uh the mutant massacre of setting up kind of just empathy for people being hunted by the, um, the marauders yeah. because there's that couple that's being hunted and the beginning of it is the boyfriend being killed and the girlfriend abandoning him and then the end is like her being tracked down i actually think that like sets the stakes yeah. really well like immediately endears me to those characters and the threat of these people so i i, I actually kind of think like the general threat is set up well initially i just think like it, marketing it as an event feels a little empty because it kind of is just like one thing that happens with no we don't find i mean it's kind of like secret wars where it's just like so who was the beyonder why did this well, happen? i actually think it's like i think uh, a lot better he wanted to some uh, of the more modern you, events we see like, now that definitely get the sort of backlash maybe that you were feeling which is like um events that are clearly setting up another event so you you get this big announcement, and mm, it's like, oh, we're doing sure. this big story. Yeah, Everybody yeah, yeah. invest in this, literally, with your dollars. Come check out these comics. And then all it does yeah, is yeah, it tells yeah. a story that is clearly building to something bigger. And Mutant Massacre definitely, uh, it mm-hmm. definitely does that. It definitely it falls into that category, yeah, I think. Sure. And I, some examples that come to mind, uh, it's a little tricky, but like in the New 52 with Justice League, there was uh, the Trinity War, I think, right before Forever Evil. If you remember yeah, that, yeah, yeah. and that one is mm-hmm. all like, yeah, we're building the Trinity War. It's going to be huge. It's going to deliver all these mysteries. And then it was like, yeah, Trinity War. If you really want to know what's going on, read Forever Evil next. And it's like, oh, it's so transparent. It's so annoying. You didn't deliver anything. So yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, and let's see. There was one other thing I wanted to make. Yeah. So I, I think he's totally right. Like, I think the line here is divided. Like, are you? just interested it is just having the x-men mythology fleshed out enough for you and like for a lot of people that is yes and it's not for me like i love that stuff and i can really get behind that if i'm also along for the ride with the individual comics and i just wasn't here but like i like that i like the continuity but it's not number one for me and i know it's not like i guess i I don't want to put that in people's mouths i don't think it's number one for people but like i think it's a lot more important or a lot it carries the weight of a comic for a lot yeah, I mean, of people. I, I, more there are certain series, so I think that, that's like a big like right line. now, currently, there is literally no X Men, X Men, including the series X Men comic in existence that you could ask me to read that I would not read with at least some interest, and that is because of of work I'm sure. doing on Comic Book Herald and just like how invested I am in the X Men universe right now. Where like the curiosity I have for even like continuity minutia is is at an all time high. Yeah. Um, so I can absolutely read. Uh, uh, anything, literally anything in the X-Men universe right now and mm-hmm. kind of be curious about what's happening doesn't mean I'm going to like... Ooh, Fallen Angels try. 2019. I can try to read just about anything. <laughs> uh, but my my point there <laughs> is more... Uh, there are certain stories where like I'm not lingering on every word because the story is garbage and Mutant Massacre does not have that problem for me at all. I do it... I The world building part of yeah. it, I guess, is obviously like it's cemented. It's, it's important in terms of like really... I mean, I don't... I don't think I'm spoiling anything to say. This is the opening of a trilogy, in more or less. It goes Mutant Massacre, Fall of the Mutants, hmm. Inferno yeah. are the next upcoming events. Okay, so when you are able to view it in that context, with what has already come already in mind, which is unfair because the story didn't have that benefit, right, when it came out. Um, although I guess it had the mystery, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, 
it's the beginning of a trilogy and that that it stands out as a story even while doing that so let's let's hear from glenn another uh, yeah. another reader here another listener even about what he thought so glenn writes and says wanted to go ahead and plant my flag firmly on the pro mutant massacre side of the discussion uh when read by itself i think it could be viewed as being kind of disconnected without much consequence but when read as part of the larger years-long story i think this is one of the more well-done pieces we've read so far I've gotten quite a bit ahead during the quarantine times, and I'm just about starting on 1989, and I think Mutant Massacre definitely grows and has real consequences and bigger story implications beyond that self-contained event. So that's that's a little bit what I'm talking about here in terms of the impact. I do agree with Zach, yeah, he totally. says, yep. on the premise of X-Factor being completely ridiculous. It is also absolutely insane how long these two teams exist without ever fully interacting with each other. Um, that's true. That's that's actually a really interesting point, and obviously like that's something we're going to keep reading, uh, you know, the, the X-Factor and the X-Men lines. But there is, there's a really fascinating thing in the X-Men universe right now where, like, Jean Grey is back, but, like, everyone in the X-Men yeah. is, like, clueless to this. You know? That's actually pretty wild. Yeah. Do, do you not want to read what he uh, says? I was here? not going to read the next part. No. This part? He, he says, okay, yeah. Well, he just says it goes yes. for longer than you'd think. Yes. <laughs> Which is, I mean, already it's kind of been like a year almost, and it's kind of wild that X Factor as a premise um, and as a book, it's like I'm always interested in what's going on there, but it's it never quite mm-hmm. connects in a way that I, I it will, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going. X Factor is just a weird book. Like, I never quite, it's never my favorite, certainly. Yeah. I always want to like it more than I do, I think. Um, and But there's, like, big mm-hmm. kind of important stuff happening in it. So it is, it, that that's the piece where X-Factor is definitely a book I can read on that world-building mythos level and get a ton out of it, um, even if I'm not, like, super hooked in. Yeah, I, um, I, I feel a level of sympathy with Louise Simonson for having to take this concept. Because she didn't write X-Factor number one, right? Like She comes on around... Six yeah, she six right. So like me like criticizing X Factor, I I feel like I need to like give her uh some you know a, a lot of leeway actually for like being handed what I think are two big piles of crap, like two bags of crap, and then being like, hey, weave this into the event we have while also maintaining like this terrible structure we set up. So like I I'm I'm still very interested in Louise Simonson what she'll do when she has a little bit more um like independence when she can write oh. her own comic yeah and let's let's also point out that like she is saddled with the original five x-men as her characters which means Mm -hmm. you know she has to write some of the most milk toast characters in the x-men universe right now and there are characters in there i like a lot current like in modern times you know like i like cyclops a lot i i think you can do a ton with gene gray um but but non-blue beast warren worthington how did that even happen do you know how did he become not blue? I don't write to us. No prize us because I can't yeah, remember I don't for remember. the life of me when or how. I feel that like happened. I looked at the Wikipedia, but I'm sure it matters to the beat. Here's the thing about Beast. One back of the and worst. Forth, back and forth. Yeah. One of well, he's back and forth in the fur, but also like one of the worst people in X Men <laughs> in uh, in the 2000s. Like he is the worst mistake after mistake. Um, yeah. So I don't in, know. In I, I'm invested in his character, yeah. but he makes a lot of a lot of boo boo. I'm uh, I'm excited for him to turn into a cat. That's my cat beast. I, I, yeah, I like cat beast. Um, all right, I got one last email here. Uh, this is also from Glenn. Glenn wrote in two emails. Thank you, Glenn. 
And uh, this, he split them up because this is very different uh, topically. Uh, I don't think I've heard you guys do questions or emails on the Ultimate Podcast, so I'm not sure whether this would fit in. Yes, it does, Glenn. Thank you. Curious if you guys think there was a purposeful discussion to try and keep the stories in the Ultimate Universe more grounded or at least more skeptical. There have been a few examples of them leaning away from super mystical and cosmic stuff, at least so far. Uh, before I get into a couple of his examples, he points out, so probably most people know, but we do a Ultimate Universe reading podcast, just like this one, that is up on our public feed now. We're four episodes in, covering all of the Ultimate Universe, and uh, yeah, go give it a listen. I think it's very fun, and if you like it, there's an extra six episodes. We uh, we put out the episodes on a six-month lag um, on the Patreon at the $5 level, so... Um, Absolutely, and, you know, and we're, we're going to be reading every issue in the Ultimate Universe there. Yeah, because there's like very doable. So if you want, it's like 380 along. issues in the entire line that we're yeah. going to read over, I think about two and a half years. So we're doing that like sounds 20, more appealing 20 to you than these stuffy old comics. Yeah, I mean they go down, go down real easy. Uh, okay, so he's asking, you know, the Ultimate Universe is more grounded or skeptical. So everyone thinks Thor is probably just a crazy homeless dude, and they haven't been shown asgard or definitely said that he's a god yet venom and carnage are creating in labs uh rather than being i don't know if i should spoil that oh bt dubs uh <laughs> spoilers for the ultimate universe may follow <laughs> oh yeah i guess so yeah i mean these are these are 20 year old comics that oh, also i don't these are just i'm like just saying if somebody wants to come join us for the mild yeah year after that yeah point. i don't i don't know if uh, i'll stop if we don't need the examples think... because i think we can answer the question with the two you've given i mean the yeah. answer here is yes like a hundred percent it yeah it's two things okay. it's it's ultimate universe specific and it's era specific i yeah. think for sure yeah like, we are moving now into like... 2000s not only 2000s but now post 9 11 for the majority mm-hmm. of the ultimate universe comics and that influences the creators who are telling these stories i mean undoubtedly so the the fact that it's grounded skeptical feels more modern i mean yeah 100 percent. that is that is intentional um i'd be curious if there were bigger editorial level conversations around kind of enforcing that like were there ideas that were more sort of gilded optimism of, of silver age superheroes that were shot down i don't really know if that would be the case yeah we don't that would ha- be you don't really have any of that huh like there's not really like Ultimate Spider-Man can be fun sometimes. Ultimate Spider-Man is not that far removed from from those sensibility in a, a yeah. lot of times. Yeah, yeah, it, but it's it, the closest it, for sure. Yeah, but it also still gets sucked into the like, oh, this is like miserable. There's death surrounding this teenager, <laughs> you know, like. But so does it, but so does Stan and Steve, Spidey. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I, X-Men, I, I, X- especially Fantastic Four Ultimates, obviously, all those are. You know, it works like better for me in some than others. Now. Like Fantastic Four tried to tries to do that and it straddles a weird line where it's neither like fantastical nor interestingly grounded in the real world. It's kind of a big nothing. But like the Ultimates, yeah. I think the Ultimates really works because of that. I I really like the concepts Miller comes up with initially for those. Thor specifically is like my fave. I love that idea for Thor where like yeah. It's really left up. Like we still have not seen any resolution to that. We right. have no idea. Like, and it's going to get toyed within the next arc. In, I think. Uh, totally, yeah, you know, we're we're about to read this. an arc that like really plays with that in a way I love. I absolutely love. Um, I think Ultimate Volume Two does this, and like the idea of like, hey, is Thor an Asgardian god, or is he a guy who had has uh, access to some like high power tech? Who knows? Like, is he you know like is he crazy or is this real? And they really play that line. I think that's that's a lot of fun. And I think this trend um, is something we see in any superhero media. The further away we get from the source, so like even mm-hmm. stuff that I would view as as not super serious or grounded like cw's the flash mm-hmm. okay even that is a show where they're like hey we better explain why he wears this goofy suit right 
hey, we better yeah. not actually yeah, yeah. give someone a superhero name and instead have it be kind of a joke that the character throws out there and then it sticks. You know, so it's all these things where they're like, we can't actually do the superhero thing because we're aware that that is a trope or we're aware of the the history of that. We want to be a little more grounded, a little more serious. I, th- I think it's that kind of just comes with the territory. Yeah, it's tough. Like for me, it's... I don't it think it's always good, I should say. No, I don't think it's good. I think it's generally like it kind of bugs me. It feels uh, defensive or embarrassed yes, often. Yes, right. You know, that kind of like, oh, these are for adults and we have to like, you know, it's, it's the X-Men 1 movie where they're all wearing black leather instead of their cool outfits, right? Like, would you, uh, would you prefer X-Men 1 with the classic costumes? Wolverine, I mean, yellow, Hugh Jackman, yellow and black right off the bat, baby. Probably not because like that whole movie. I don't would think I would actually. It. it would have to switch. The whole tone would have to shift. Yeah. To suit it. Yeah. Like now, but, you know, now I would, but then yeah, I would not. Yeah. Have. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, Dark Phoenix... Didn't Dark Phoenix do that? I thought I saw that in the trailers. There were... In uh, the very end of Apocalypse, they do come out suddenly in their X-Men costumes, like Nightcrawler's Mm -hmm. got on the red and blue, which is hilarious that it took 18 years to get to the X-Men wearing their X-Men costume. Uh, Dark Phoenix, again, I think both you and I have not seen, so... And probably will never. I, I will be shocked if either of us shows up on an episode one day and says... Hey, I just watched Dark Phoenix. I would love to know why. I think I'm going to go see New Mutants in theaters this weekend. This so. is the funniest. Or not, not theaters, in, uh, in drive-in drive-in theaters. I wouldn't you go to going room. to yeah. the movies, going yeah. to a full house of New Mutants fans, uh, even a drive-in, obviously, We're stay all just safe gonna out cough there. into each other's mouth I really just, watching New Mutants. If you're going to theaters to see uh, to see anything, here's the thing. If you're going to go to a theater this weekend, I think it's kind of a wild idea. I think it's a little crazy living in pandemic times, uh, but at least see Tenet. <laughs> don't see I, you know, mutants. last weekend, I, I, Rose and I were like, would you, would you want to go to the drive-in to see New Mutants? And I was like, no, let's just go Let's go there next weekend to see Tenet. And it just got announced they're not playing it, so they're just going to do New Mutants again. Bummer. Or Superbad. A Nolan movie at a drive-in sounds Superman. challenging, I gotta say. I saw, what did I see there? I saw Spider-Man Far, or Homecoming there. It was a little dark at times, uh, some of the, the night scenes, but... Like the the end scene with the vulture was pretty unintelligible. <laughs> like I saw Guardians two at a drive-in with huh? a seven month old who wouldn't oh sleep for most of it, and then I wrote a movie review about it. <laughs> and you were like, "So if you've ever wondered where is... <laughs> my opinions come from, they're not always grounded." These in touching reality. themes of fa- fatherhood here are, are <laughs> garbage. I I know what it's really like. <laughs> the screams that were coming from Peter Quill for forty five minutes were incredible. Uh, yeah. yeah, so so there's our advertisement for drive-ins. Thanks for the sponsorship. Uh, Big Drive-In Incorporated, we do appreciate your support of My Marvelous Year. The ways you can support My Marvelous Year, you can go to patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear, or you can leave us a rating and review on iTunes if you like the show. Uh, it's a huge benefit and is one of our favorite things to see. Oh, a you know nice what? I, new review. We were, you brought my this up in the last. Separate feed. Yeah. Oh, please. My Ultimate Year doesn't have that many reviews. It's kind That's of a sad. little spin-off show. Slowly. And uh, yeah, I'd really love that. Um, this is an editorial note between us. I think you you came up with this in the My Ultimate Year episode, I think, asking, you were like, hey, in your review, oh, right. uh, mention what is the worst adaptation to the Ultimate Universe. I think that's a fun idea. We should do that. Like, yeah. put out the call to action during the variant covers with, like, specific things, and if people do it, read them. Okay, like, let's, uh, let's I, do one right now. I got one. All right, oh, so for your next rating and review uh, on iTunes of either My Marvelous Year or My Ultimate Year, uh, the challenge I would like to leave you is, one, rate the show, uh, but two, let us know what was your weirdest superhero movie viewing experience. 
Okay, so we just talked about our drive-in experiences. Uh, for you, what was the strangest way you saw a, a Marvel movie or just a superhero movie in general? Cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll read any uh, any reviews that get left on the next variant cover. Well, I don't know about any, but, you know, bring your A-game. Oh, five-star only. Yeah. We, you we for- actually rate the reviews we get, and <laughs> I got to say a lot of three-stars. A lot of three-stars. No, I'm just kidding. A lot of three-star, five-star reviews. Yeah. Three-star, five-star reviews. Anyway, we're loving them. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for the feedback. As always, thanks for writing and leaving us questions. You can do so in my Marvel this year at gmail.com at any point in time uh now we are going to do uh i think some character updates for the my marvelous year shared universe these are individuals who support us over at patreon.com slash my marvelous year they are backing us at a certain tier level for a certain amount of money every month uh we will create a my marvelous year universe character a hero or villain for you and uh today we're going to be doing some updates for those characters so as long as you're supporting that tier yeah, I just shuffled around a couple of Patreon tiers, and I think it might be worth mentioning. Yeah, please uh, do. I think the the pertinent one is for fifteen dollars a month, you get to add a comic to the My Marvelous Year list. So uh, if you're at fifteen bucks a month, you get to add for every every publication year of Marvel, you can add a comic to the list. And I gotta um, say, this is if this takes off, this could we be might the have to most quickly it, redacted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Patreon tier we ever do if we start getting lots of weird comics. Yeah, well, we, now we might a just have opportunity. to. To, to limit the number but um and you're not just making us open. read these comics you're you're convincing the entire club to read these comics and there are dozens of us our, our backer <laughs> justin made uh made us read a couple interesting things so i, I don't know I'm, I'm optimistic everything we've had to do so far is fun and we already have one for 1987 but so. you're assuming like good faith editions you know oh uh, well i've already seen in the slack uh ideas of like hey let's get a conc- you know a, a um uh a all-encompassing reading order of Stiltman, every Stiltman appearance, and let's add all of them to the list. I mean, that perfect. is a funny perfect. idea and, like, a great joke in the slack. Please don't do it in real life. Please don't <laughs> make us... <laughs> I mean, you are making a lot of people just read these for uh, to torture me specifically. Um, you can just do that uh, just by teasing me in the slack. <laughs> Good um, idea, everybody. All right, let's get right. into some, some yeah, characters. Let's, let's I'm going to do here. an update for... Uh, this is Tiny Vampire. Okay. Yeah. Now... I don't know exactly where we left off with Tiny Vampire. We have <laughs> yeah. seen this individual bouncing around uh, and biting people and leaving little tiny holes. Like I feel like this. I feel like Tiny Vampire has probably showed up in more cameo roles than anyone else in the Mind Marvelous Year shared universe. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he he feels a bit like the vampiric Nick Fury, you know, of our of our shared you. What do you think? Ooh, are you gonna do uh, three Tiny Vampires this week? <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get to that? How'd you get to that know. from Nick Fury? He's, he's just around a lot, I guess. I just yeah, thinking. yeah. Three tiny vampires. You're gonna oh, comment man. on all the different eras that he's been existing. Yeah, yeah. But also just kind of make a. No, I'm gonna, I'm be gonna a, go a bigger. Actually, okay. we're, gonna, we're right, doing good. four. Um, no, I wish <laughs> I had thought of that. Uh, so what I'm gonna talk about is a story about when Tiny Vampire first became a tiny vampire. Because here's the thing: he was not always a tiny vampire, right? We knew him before. We got his origin story, but we don't really know what happened in those first hours after he became a tiny vampire, okay? So one of the biggest things that happens when you become a tiny vampire is you suddenly have a craving for blood. But what a lot of people don't realize is most tiny vampires don't actually drink human blood. That's actually extremely atypical. Now, we've seen tiny vampire bite a lot of people. You know, that's different than drinking blood. I want to be very Mm -hmm. clear. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to bite somebody, right? Whether you're mm-hmm. a tiny vampire, oh, whether that. you're angry, whether you're a toddler, whatever. 
You just want to get a bite. You just want to oh, get. There a are other reasons, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Zach's kink out. So, uh, well, I it's guess, after yeah. nine p.m. when we're recording. So you know what that means. It's biting time. <laughs> <laughs> so. Tiny V, uh, he he doesn't typically drink from from humans, but <laughs> usually v. from cows and pigs. Um, uh-huh. Okay, so so he's out kind of walking farmland in the first hours, and like I think he got bit not that far from like some open terrain where there would be farms. So we find some pigs, some cows. He's able to satiate some of his desire for blood. So we got that figured out fairly quick. Um, he then finds like he can't find a castle. Okay, like where where's their castle? In wherever this tiny vampire is from, like those are those are tough to find. So he's walking around, and what he actually finds is during the day, most bats they hang upside down in trees and caves, and they're sleeping. Um, so <laughs> it like it becomes daylight, and he's like, "Where do I go?" He finds a big cave, and he sees all these kind of umbrella-looking things hanging down from the ceilings, and he goes and he climbs up next to him. He's like, "All right, these are my people now, right? Like I gotta I gotta chill with the other <laughs> tiny vampires." That's adorable. yeah so he takes a little snooze right and they all wake up at night um and what he realizes is they're all waking up is he's like these things look a lot like foxes like these don't look like tiny vampires at all he's in a flying fox community okay Mm. he is now like he's like he becomes a part of them you know it's like Mowgli with the wolves or you know the bears or however (laughs) however jungle book plays out um he's he's now part of the flying fox community and they take him in as one of their own and despite the fact that he is very much a tiny vampire and quite different than them and despite the fact that his cravings for blood are significantly vaster than any of of theirs because they don't really they don't really swing that way um it's just not their thing right they they take him in and they they lead him and they they you know uh coddle him and and help him you know become the tiny vampire that he was do they do they wean him off of blood because i think flying foxes like are fruit bats like they just eat Plant. Yeah, they're they're literally fruit bats. I think I think flying fox is actually like that's a nickname. Like that's yeah, not the like, actual name of the creature. Yeah. They are bats. Yeah, yeah. They are fruit bats. Yeah. They're like the mega bats. Yeah, because like vampire bats are those horrible. Like it kind of looks like if you had a um like a rodent's face, but then you like put it on backwards. Right? They have those like weird yeah. smooshy faces. But like yeah. flying foxes or fruit bats. Oh, baby, they're cute. Oh, they're looking. They're adorable. They're looking. Yeah. Right. Adorable. No, totally. They they don't wean him off blood, but what they do is they teach him to appreciate bananas and lime. Yeah. Ooh, oh my god, have you ever watched a fruit bat eat a banana? You ever watched one of those videos? <laughs> oh, everybody everybody has to go to YouTube and watch this because it's actually... I've watched many, many videos of fruit bats eating bananas, and it's very cute. They kind of just, like, gum it for a while. It's like, Adorable. I thought it was a joke, and then immediately knew it wasn't, and that you actually have watched this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep. okay. Love it. All right, so, well, I love so, it. Yeah, he, he learns to appreciate fruit, and he's raised by this uh, fruit bat community. And cool. um, that's that's really all there is to it. They help him get his feet under him, and then eventually, obviously, he, he realizes, like, I'm meant for more. I need to get back out there, and I need to be the tiny vampire that I was always meant to be because my cravings, they extend. And my, my desire to bite some foes, that extends too. But he'll always have his, his fruit bat flying fox community as those who raised him. So that's our little update for Tiny Vampire before he was cameoing in every story, biting people. All right, so I got one here, and I'm not going to say who it's for right away. I'm going to let the mystery let the mystery percolate, and hopefully okay. it's intelligible because I'm not the okay. best storyteller. All right, so should have looked up this word. Um, so we uh, we cut to we're inside of a, a cabin out in the woods in a forest, uh, like a, a nature preserve, right? Um, 
up in the uh, woods of New England, and uh, and there's there's a couple arborists here, and they're like a little laboratory, and they're like, I don't get it, I don't understand. What's what is this? Uh, how could it have changed so quickly? And they're they're looking over these these results, these test results, and he's like, all the uh, the Dutch elm disease. I mean, it was ravaging uh, all the elms in the in the park like two weeks ago, and now all the trees, all the trees are healthy, all the trees are clear. And he's like, and we had we had a mushroom this. Uh, well, I can't remember the name of it, but <laughs> we had this this uh, infectious mushroom, this fungi that was growing these enormous mushrooms on the on these trees, and that's gone too. I, I just don't understand it. What uh, what could have happened? Smash cut to uh, to the coroner's office. We've got two cops. They're standing over two different bodies laying on slabs, and uh, and there's a couple. There's the the coroner there talking to them, and the cops are like, yeah. So these uh, both these guys, CEOs of big. Uh, big forestry uh, corporations this one uh this one was the ceo of chop and burn this one was the forest the ceo of timber inc and uh and he's looking at the coroner and he's like so what happened to him and he, he unzips the bag one of them his skin just peeled away from his body and underneath all these weird little rivulets carved into his muscle and the the fat of his skin the other guy covered in these like horrible hard almost wooden mushrooms all over his body oh nightmare. and he says I don't. Yeah, kind of like The Last of Us. I think that kind of look. Those those like mushrooms growing out of his body. And the coroner is like, you know, we, uh, we I've had a couple people look down here, and uh, it's weird, but it looks like Dutch elm disease. You know, like the, the underneath the bark, you see uh, it kind of eats away at the bark under, or it eats away at the tree under the bark. And this this looks like a like a tree disease, this tree fungus disease. But you know, those aren't infectious to humans. How how could this have happened? The cops look at each other and they're talking. So. uh... I mean, did, did you find anything at the crime scene? What, uh, any clues? And he says, I mean, someone, someone broke into their offices for, uh, through the window, but the only clue we have is a couple weird, these weird feathers, these big blue feathers, and they look like flamingo feathers. And, uh, he says, that's, that, that doesn't make any sense. And he says, well, we, uh, <laughs> fair, fair reaction. <laughs> <laughs> He says, uh, and the, the only other weird thing is, uh, the night that, uh, these bodies were found, the cleaning lady said that they heard from behind the office crying of a baby. Ooh. But, uh, you know, when they went in, nothing happened. So, uh, that, that's my little update for, uh, Kyle. For who? A for Kyle, whom? a.k.a. the Blue Flamingo in Austin, a.k.a. Fever Baby. Dang. The mystery mm. begins. And I, mm. I heard those guys that they, they were inspecting at the morgue there, uh, used to be real fun guys. Boo! Right? Boo! <laughs> all right so that's gonna do it for us uh thanks everybody for listening this has been my moral this year 1986 edition uh we'll be back next time with what's it gonna be 1986 part part five five yeah, which part will five. be electro assassin and some Captain and, uh, America issues that yeah, we pushed yep, yep. all right thanks everybody for listening again music for the show is by disaster piece i'm dave you can find my stuff at comic book herald he's zach you can find him at my moral this year online and uh we will see you next year see you next year uh-huh.